don't know if you know this, but you sang so pretty this morning. <laughs> this has been a good day. And uh, I just want to ask you a question as we move into this portion of the service because I'm excited about it. I want to ask, are you ready? Who is ready to study God's word today? Amen? Okay. Now, we have a special thing coming up a little bit later, so it's going to be a little shorter content, so uh, don't fall asleep. You'll wake up and it's done uh, today. Uh, but uh, we are in this series called Rhythm, where we're talking about developing healthy rhythms in our life, how often we develop uh, bad habits and, and unhealthy patterns in our lives. And one of the things that has been very helpful for me in developing healthy rhythms uh, is, uh, is the, way that I, um, the way that I live my life when it comes to exercise. And uh, I have been a runner over these last few years, and it's made a dramatic change in my life. And I know that there are a lot of people here today who are runners. And uh, when we were in Alabama last year, there was a really interesting, kind of shocking thing that happened at a half marathon in Elkmont, Alabama. And uh, you know what a half marathon is. It's a 13.1 mile race or 21 kilometers. And uh, so last year in Elkmont, Alabama, the, uh, the seventh place finisher in the half marathon was a two and a half year old. Like, how is that even possible? You're like, Joel, you, you've got to be kidding me. That, there's no way. How could a two-year-old finish seventh place in a half marathon? Well, in order to answer that question, let me show you her picture. <laughs> her name is Ludivine, and Ludivine is a two-and-a-half-year-old hound dog. And what happened is this. One Saturday morning, they woke up in Ludivine's household, and her owner opened the door to the backyard to let her go out and go potty. And they just kind of let her have the run of the yard. And so uh, Ludivine did what hound dogs tend to do. She followed her nose. And Ludivine went wandering down the road where she found a parking lot with hundreds of people gathered for the beginning of the inaugural half marathon in her town. Well, all she knew was Ludivine loves people and people love her. How could you not love a face like that? And so people started to pet her and she is enjoying all of the attention. And soon people began to line up for the beginning of the race. And so the starting gun sounds, bang! And everybody takes off running and kind of takes her by surprise. She's looking around. Everybody's running in the same direction. She figures it must be someplace good. And so she takes off with them. Here's a picture from the beginning of the race. Uh, in case you didn't notice, she's the one without the number. Uh, when you run in a race that you did not register for, that's called banditing a race. And so here she is banditing the race. She, uh, she's running along. Here's a picture a little bit later as the crowd begins to spread out a little bit. But she's still near the front. And in this next picture, this guy's name is Tim Hovath. And Tim is a complete stranger. He had never met this dog before, didn't know where she came from. But uh, apparently she took a liking to him because she ran with him almost the whole way. 
And so when they crossed the finish line, he actually passed her in the home stretch. He came in sixth place, and Ludovine came in seventh place that day. Now you wonder, well, how did she do? Well, her finish time was an hour and 32 minutes. To give you context, I run half marathons, and my best time is 15 minutes slower than Ludovine. That's not funny. I don't think I'm beat by a hound dog. But, but here's what makes it better. You're about to melt. Are you ready to see the picture after she finishes the race? Everybody do it all together. And the funny part is, back home, her family had no idea what had happened. In fact, the way that her owner found out that she had just run this race was uh, someone sent her a text with this picture and said, is this your dog? <laughs> and so she was interv interviewed by the newspaper and it was all over the national news. It was in Runner's World magazine. And uh, in the interview, she admitted, she said, I was so shocked, I couldn't believe it. She said, because Ludovine is the laziest dog I've ever known. <laughs> And so when I heard that story, it made me t think of two things. First of all, it made me think, it's not very often that someone wakes up on a Saturday morning and runs a half marathon by accident. <laughs> but the second thing that it made me think is how Ludovine teaches us a lesson about life. And here it is. That who you run with determines where you end up. Isn't that true? See, if Ludovine had chosen that Saturday to do like most days and just sleep on the couch, she would have never accomplished this great thing. But because she surrounded herself with people who were going somewhere good, she got caught up in the crowd and went with them. Who you run with in your life determines where your life will end up. I can think of when I was growing up, a few times in my life when I started to hang out with the wrong crowd and got into trouble and did things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I want to ask you the question today, what crowd are you running with? Have you intentionally chosen to surround yourself with people who will help you keep your life in rhythm, people who you are trying to become like? People who will press you forward and encourage you and motivate you and help you to run your race with Jesus. One of my favorite passages of scripture is about this very thing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It is so rich with content. First, let's read it together and then we're going to go back and break it down line by line. But everybody get ready. Let's read this out loud together. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
And so as we go through this line by line, the first thing we see is that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let me tell you something. There is no such thing as a secret life. Everything you do is seen by God and the heavenly cloud of witnesses. We have to give an account. And because of that, we need to throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us. And you say, well, Joel, that is easier said than done. I have tried to change the negative patterns in my life. I've tried to stop doing the things that I know that God doesn't want for me to do. I've tried to start to get my life into a healthy pattern to seek his will for my life. But here's the key. You cannot throw off everything that hinders by yourself. Only Jesus can do that. You can't have the strength to press on and run the race that Jesus has laid out for you. Only God's spirit can help you do that. And so as we throw off the sin that hangles, entangles us and the, the things that hinder us, we begin to run with perseverance this race that he has marked out for us. In other words, this isn't just doing about, you know, whatever we want to do. This isn't just, you know, I can do whatever I want with my finances. I can do whatever I want with my family. I can do whatever I want with my career. I can do whatever I want with my priorities, with my choices. See, you can do whatever you want, but whatever you want is not necessarily what will lead you down the path that God has laid out for your life. That God wants not to harm you. He wants to bring abundance to your life. But it only comes when we cast off all that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles by the power of his spirit and the death of Jesus Christ on the cross who forgives us for that sin, that we can begin to run with perseverance the race that he has marked out for us, the path that he has made for us because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And where it begins to change in your life is when you make the determination to fix your eyes on Jesus. I wonder here today if there's anybody who would testify that when you set your eyes on Jesus, when you begin to walk in his path, when you seek to, to allow him to help you to throw off everything that hinders, that Jesus changes everything. Is that true to hear today? Come on. Jesus is what changes everything because who you run with determines where you are going to end up. And so the way that we communicate that around here, what we have been wrestling with over these months as a board and as, an, as, an, as a staff, and we've been giving you windows and glimpses into this occasionally on Sunday morning as well, is that our purpose, what we are pressing into as a church and what we will be, will be rolling out in the next year is this model of threefold ministry that, that we are called to run first and foremost with God, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But as we run with Jesus, that's not enough. That Jesus has called us to run with his church, the body of Christ. We need each other because who you run with determines where your life will end up. But see, it's not just running with Jesus and running with each other, that he has called us to run out 
to a lost and dying world that needs him. And so together, as we seek God first and seek community with each other and seek to take Jesus out to our community and invite people to church and, and to serve. In fact, I had to reload my, my wallet this morning because I had run out of those invitation cards. If you uh, are out of cards, this is a great season to invite people to church. If you're out of these cards, we have them at the information center. We have them at each of the exits. There's uh, an usher would be glad to give one of those to you on the way out of the service. As we, we prayed over these, these boxes this morning, that everything we do is to fall into these three categories. But here's the key. Our lives get out of rhythm if we don't keep these in balance. And so as we pray together and get ready to celebrate with those who are getting baptized, their declaration is, hey, we're not perfect, but we're in process towards this goal. And so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here in this place. And we know so often we are prone to get out of rhythm because we put ourselves in environments that are not productive, that are not helpful. So often we look up to and take the advice of people who lead us away from you rather than to you. And so, Father, we thank you that you have given us this, your church, that we can run together, that we can encourage one another and correct one another and connect with one another and do life together for your glory and to take it out for the sake of a lost and dying world that needs Jesus. And so we pray your blessing on those who are getting baptized today as they declare to the world their decision to follow Christ. And for anyone else in this room today who has not yet made that decision to run with Jesus, to run with his church, and to run out and share his love with the world, Father, today that you would be speaking to people's hearts who need to surrender their life to you. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. amen. So we're about ready to do baptism. And we have a number, we had actually a whole family that was going to get baptized this morning that got sick and aren't here. So we don't have as many as we were planning uh, today, uh, but you are going to so enjoy these testimonies as people share what God has done in their lives. But you have a part to play, that your part is to celebrate as these people make their public declaration of faith in Christ. So we're going to practice, okay? I want you to hoot and holler and clap and scream so that you're like, your, your throat is hurting by the end of the service, okay? So as, somebody, as soon as somebody goes down, we're going to practice. As soon as they go down in the water and come back up, you know what to do, okay? We're going to practice. Here we go. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know you're excited, but let's, let's keep it in, in bounds here. Okay. One, two, three. Check this out. My life before Jesus was pretty normal. I had a great childhood. Up until grade five, I had a lot of questions about God because I can remember at school us asking each other different things. But then I received the uh, Gideon Bible in grade five. 
and I couldn't put it down. I just kept reading it every day, almost without stop, whenever I could. I even got teased a little bit because of it, but anyway, gave my life to the Lord, I guess, when I was around 14, 15, and was uh, christened in the United Church on November 1st, 1959. My life has been good. The Lord's been good to me ever since. Going to youth group and other things and learning more about Jesus, I knew I had to have him in my life and he has been in my life all these years. My life has changed so much since I've received the Lord. It's just he is an awesome Savior and Lord. I don't know what I would ever do without him. And uh, I thank the good Lord for this wonderful church that we were able to come and serve him. Amen. Amen. It's been my privilege. Yes, give her a hand. It's been my privilege to, to walk with Marion and her family through some very dark times in life. But it's such an awesome privilege this morning to be able to walk with her through a very, very bright moment. And so, Marion, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. I have. And it's your privilege to, or your desire to walk with him the rest of your days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Marion, on confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus, it gives me a great privilege and uh, honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, my life before, uh, I had some addiction problems and, you know, I went down some pretty bad paths growing up and got mixed up with some bad crowds and, you know, got really depressed and later on got out of all that, so I didn't have any friends no more. I was just in a really rough patch in my life and growing up and in my teens, so it's, it, was, it was quite horrible. Uh, I had a friend say, uh, you know, come to church, so I decided to go and start listening to the message. And as time went on, it started connecting more to it. I hit another little rough patch, but then I started going back to church because another friend, you know, uh, said this place and stuff, and I started coming here, and I really connected again, and I felt that connection with God, and I, was, I reconnected, and it was, it was life-changing. I got the courage to be sober, I have hope because I have Jesus by my side. Now my life is, is more whole. I feel whole and I know that I'm not alone. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And as Jesse Cormier comes here today and the other people that are being baptized, they're saying, I am a disciple. I have received Christ. I have been made new. And today I publicly dedicate my life to Jesus. Jesse, have you given your life to Jesus? Received yes. him as Lord and Savior? Yes. And you intend to follow him with your life? Yes. And in the name of the Father, 
and of his Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. Jeremy Randall, um, could you tell me in a couple words about your life before Jesus Christ? Uh, just, uh, my life is sort of uh, lost and filled in despair, I guess. Mm -hmm. And how did you come to Christ? What did that mean for you? So my life before Jesus was uh, a bit reckless at times. I did spontaneous things that maybe I shouldn't have put myself in those situations. I was selfish, unfulfilled with the uh, decisions I made. I always kind of believed in God, but my wife was the one that taught me about Jesus and the Bible. She would always talk better than I just thought in my head, oh, maybe I should actually listen and pay attention. So since I became a Christian, I feel fulfilled. I think of others all the time, how I can help people. I just feel happy with the path God's leading me down to be a, a good father and a good husband and a good friend. Hey, I, I just feel so blessed to, uh, to have found Jesus and to find Moncton Westland. Something was empty in my life. Uh, I did go to church as a, as a as a youth and early early adult, and uh, then I got away from church because uh, I didn't I wasn't getting any, anything from it. I think I was focusing my early life just on life as we know it on earth: eat, sleep, go to work, and look forward to retirement so you could just enjoy doing nothing. But uh, I soon found out that is. There's got to be more to life than that. Started going to church and, and, and getting the Word of God every week. That, you know, it made me realize and think, you know, this is what it's about. You, you got to have God in your life. It gives you meaning and comfort. I felt there was uh, something missing because, uh, I don't know, there was just this emptiness. Nothing fulfilled. Uh, you're always in need or want. It's like getting a new toy. Once you got it and the monotony wore off, you were back to square one again. There's no joy in this. There's no comfort. I was uh, invited to church by uh, Al and Paul of Beaumont. They're neighbors of ours. They live on the same street, and we were friends. And they invited us to one of those Sundays. They had an invite out 
to everyone, so they invited us to go and we accepted the invitation. Yes, it was just a fantastic experience. We loved the church right from the very beginning and there was such uh, excitement and joy in everyone. I prayed every Sunday for God to come into my life and I could feel the changes coming on. Gradually, every week I would get stronger and I had more passion towards God and the church. I just wanted to hear more and learn more before I started coming to this church. And I had a, we've had a Bible at home as a dust collector, but uh, now I can't get enough. I just read it every day. Yeah, I'm getting baptized today and I, I thank God for being in my life and uh, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. It is stories like Roland's and the other ones that you've previously heard that are why we come together as a church and why we are so excited to fulfill the Great Commission. I want to encourage each one of you in your walk with Jesus to become more dedicated to him, to give your best to him, and to come together as a body so we can continue to see lives changed, right? That's what we're here for. And you know what I love about Roland's life? It was only changed two years ago. So that means that your neighbors, no matter what their age or situation, are just waiting to hear about Jesus. Roland was so excited that last summer, as he went to go back to the Rock to visit, because it's not Roland Lamond, it's Roland Lomond from the Rock. And uh, he was getting ready to go back. But he timed his trip so he would leave after church on Sunday and be back before church the next day because he didn't want to miss one moment with his new Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Roland, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and given your life to him? Certainly have. Well then, on the profession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 